0: Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where our goal is to help you increase your leadership capacity. Let's get ready for today's episode. So we want to thank you for joining us on this day. Also want you to know that you can go to our webpage, visit1cc.com slash Leadership Roundtable. You'll be able to see all the resources that go along with this talk today, and today our topic is one that's going to be helpful for all of us. It's called the hurdles and hindrances to growth. So Come we're going to be talking about what holds us back today from growing. And to jump in the conversation today, we have none other than Doctor Conway Edwards. Well, 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 well. And yeah. the who one is and this? only. Who's this guy? Is. I'm, Luke.
1: I'm just a jean jacket.
0: <laughs> Luke, Bre- Luke Jean Jacket Brownell. That's it. Is here to join us today. So
1: fellas, how's it going? It's
2: going great. I, um, I'm looking forward to this podcast because I think so many church leaders, pastors, volunteers, ministry leaders struggle here. And they don't, they get stuck and they don't know why they're stuck and they don't know what to do to unstuck themselves. And so um, highlighting these hindrances to growth, I think will go a long way in helping people identify where they are, what season they're in, and some of the steps they need to unstuck themselves or to move from one phase of ministry to, to a whole nother level, and uh, I wish somebody had told me this earlier in ministry. I'm still using it today. I wish somebody had told me much earlier because we could have gone much faster through some of the hurdles and some of the hindrances that are causing us to stay stuck or plateau in a particular area, whether that is digitally or physically. um, I think it'll be extraordinarily helpful to you guys. Luke, what you got?
1: Well, I, I feel a little uh, uninformed about the athleisure wear, so I'm probably a little overdressed. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time. Listen, uh, I think you're absolutely right, and the beautiful thing about the principles here to me is that they they uh, they fit in any category. So this can fit in um, your team, your sport, your athletic team, your sports team. This will fit in your organization, whether it's business or church or ministry. Um, this even works. Honestly, I'm seeing some of this, how this works in a family, but I've got five kids, so everything is complex. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is stuck. Every- <laughs> yeah. The only thing that's not stuck are the appetites. They keep getting bigger. Right? There it is. All there right. Is. So, there I mean,
0: when we, when we jump into this, we have four of these we're going to talk about. This is really cool because in a previous podcast, we talked about things we wanted to be sticky. <laughs> and in this one, we're going to talk about things we don't want to be sticky. No, that's What good. happens when you do get stuck. So we've got four of these. The first one, the first hurdle or hindrance to your growth, is unnecessary complexity. There it is. There it is.
2: There it is. Uh, So the thing you need to remember, and most of you noticed already, uh, is that leaders do the right things and managers do things right. Leaders do the right thing. Somebody famous said that. I don't remember who, but somebody said that. But it's such a good analysis of the tensions in every organization, right? So leaders are going to know exactly the three or four things they need to get done, and they're going to run as hard as they can in that direction. Managers are going to say, well, yeah, I get that, but but we need, to, we need to do things right. They need to be orderly. They need to be some structure. They need to be some organization around it. And therein lies the tension. If the leader goes too far without the manager coming behind them, then you're going to have chaos. If the managers lead, then not a whole lot of stuff's going to get done. And so you've got to marry the two to be able to have a thriving uh, ministry area, a thriving sports team, or whatever you're working on. And so in light of that, unnecessary com- complexity usually happens when uh, uh, uh when when the manager begins to win and then the manager begins to say we need more um, structure here we need more uh, rules here we need more uh, organization here. and if you get over overly complex, then that can really slow growth down. So as a team, you've always got to marry those two. Are we running hard toward our goals? And then do we have too much complexity that's now slowing us down? So which one do you want to jump in there?
0: I mean, I think uh, you just brought something to mind. This This sounds very biblical. It sounds like we started off with about 10 rules in the Old Testament. Mm. And over time, you know, <laughs> we added to where there was five to 600 rules because we needed a rule to make sure the rule got done. Yep. And then we needed a few rules to make sure that rule got done. Yep. And by the time we get there, there's five 600 rules, and we're drowning in rules, and we've lost yep. the purpose That's of it. what God really intended for us to have a relationship with them. I mean, and then compl- what I love about
2: Jesus when he comes back, he says, hey, let's boil it down to two. You do these two well go. and focus on the two. And then if you focus on these two, then I think you'll you'll move the ball forward. And I think that was beautiful. Luke, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's a dynamic relationship between the leader and the manager when it comes to solving problems. And I was just talking with um, our team today about a problem we're trying to solve, and I really just kind of implemented a solution, not realizing that at the same time it made it more complicated for them. So what we're having to do is not scrap the whole idea, but come together, w- have the, the managers and the leaders get around the same table together and say, how can we solve this problem so that we're not making it more complicated, more complex, less doable, and therefore um, uh, inhibiting progress? But at the same time, we're addressing the issue at hand so mm-hmm. that we can go forward.
2: So what I love is what you have here, and the reason why I like when more than one person does this podcast is because you have you have you have Luke on the. Leading a medium sized church uh, at, in a prosper campus. You've got Pastor Matt on the organizational managerial side, and then you got me trying to lead us forward. And so you have a dynamic of um, three individuals that look at it a little bit different. Uh, but the challenge with this particular Uh, issue is you're going to have people that want to put in rules you're going to have people that want to have more meetings than are necessary you're going to have people that want more scheduling than necessary and it will slow down progress because you have to follow and 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 follow all the dotted lines and you have to dot all the i's and cross all the t's to get done and whenever something goes wrong with the leader who is driving the ball forward the 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 fix often is to put a rule in place. The Mm -hmm. fix often is to put a structure in place. The fix often is to put a meeting in place so that that never happens again. And while that's very healthy... Taken too far, it slows growth down massively. So finding the balance there becomes what's really, really challenging, and which is why most people usually slow down. So in your organization, in your church, in your ministry, you must make sure, okay, what are the two or three objectives that we're driving toward? And you've got to make sure, do we have too many organizational um, hindrances that are slowing us down is to get something done. Does somebody have to go through three levels of authority to no. get something done? Or do they have the framework in which they can make the decision without the organizational hindrances that can slow it down? Pastor Matt, what do you think?
0: <laughs> this one hurts. Um, the way I see it play out too is, is um, everything you just said, it plays itself out on your team or your organization or your church when, when one person messes up, one person does something they're not supposed to, you might find yourself then making a rule out of that for everyone. So sometimes we overcorrect when something doesn't go how we want. It's just like what Pastor Conway was just saying, and, and we end up mandating everybody do X, Y, and Z because one person messed up, where a lot of times it should be a conversation and a corrective plan with that one person know. instead of now having 50 new policies and 50 new systems and processes to follow And then everything's so complex, nobody knows what to do.
2: And what ultimately happens is leaders run from organizations. I, I promise that they do. They run from organizations that you've got 10 rules to follow before you can get something done. So if you're on the side and your personality is on the side of management and you're thinking, yeah, this this is right. This is how we should do it, That's great. But just know that you've slowed stuff down. And the problem with that is then you're going to attract more managers to your team, to your organization, and leaders are going to stay away from you because Everything they try to do, you've, they've got to get four signatures to get it done. The yeah. danger of that is then a lot of organizations attract managers more than leaders, and then some organizations attract leaders more than managers. What you're really trying to get is maintaining the tension of both. But to do that, you need a loving environment where everybody knows what their strengths are and they get to working their strengths and they're give and takes along the way. If you don't have it and if you're processing your organization right now, you should know who are the next people you need to hire. Do you really need to hire more managers or do you really need to hire more leaders depending on where the pendulum has now swung to? If you don't do that, then you're going to have, on the management side, more policies, more rules, more structure, more hierarchy that will slow your growth down, mm-hmm. which is fine because on the other side, you've got more chaos because leaders are just doing it, getting it done. You've got more hurt people because they're you know, bulldozing over people to get it done, and which is why in healthy organizations, I think you need attention and a balance of both. Closing thoughts on number one, Luke?
1: Yeah, I think living in the tension for sure. Managers will always tend towards uh, managing towards safety and preservation because they're interested in making sure that things don't go awry. Mm-hmm. Leaders, Mario Andretti, we tossed a quote back and forth the other day. With Mario Andretti said that if everything is under control, you're probably moving too slow. Mm. And this is a guy who was moving at 200 miles per hour. So he, there was a lot at stake when he said that. And, and, and it's – Neither of those is wrong as long as both have a voice at the table, and it's managing that tension, not trying to resolve it one way or another um, that I think creates that healthy environment. But That's it's good. It's uncomfortable. The tension is uncomfortable because you don't just get to blanket solve a solution and then never look at it again. Yeah. You have to address it and address it and tweak it and tweak it, and so – yeah.
2: And, Matt, we've seen this from when you planted our Louisville campus and you probably had 150 people all the way to where it is now, Luke, from your perspective, would a campus averages about 700 or so. And now how you have to lead through that. And then with a larger experience, it's all, it's all different. And sometimes you need more leaders than you need managers. And then as you grow, you're going to need more. You're going to yep. need a lot, a lot of managers to balance it and to keep you, um, from lawsuits and to keep you from foolishness, you're going to need it so that you slow it down enough so that now you can have an organization that's completely balanced you as you move forward. All right. What's number two? What do we got?
0: Yes, that was one. Number two is the the number two thing that will hold you back from growing is having unscalable processes.
2: Okay. So tell us what was number one again. Somebody got lost in the process. Number one, uh
0: huh, unnecessary complexity. And number two is unscalable processes or processes.
2: Yes, that's right. There are three. Right. It's, it's kind of a, a three-legged stool. Uh, for you to be successful, you're going to need the right people. Yeah. You're going to need the right processes, and you're going to need um, – the, the, the resource engine mm-hmm. or the economic engine that drives it, yeah. right? You need all three for it to work. If you don't have either one of these, then you're going to collapse. It's going to be a, a stool that you should be have mm-hmm. the foundation of three legs, and you're going to have one or two. So the beautiful thing about this is you've got to make sure you're monitoring all three at all times. You've got to monitor the people mm-hmm. that you're bringing into the organization. Mm-hmm. You've got to okay. monitor the processes, and make sure those processes are growing commensurate with the people that you're bringing in, and then you gotta you gotta you gotta be able to pay for this stuff, and you yeah. gotta be able to be sustainably great with the resources to handle it as you go forward. Any one of those you ignore, you ignore to your own peril, yeah. because it's only a matter of time. So you need the right people that own it, have the passion for it, and want to want to want to live in it. You need the right processes. That is, are the processes commensurate with the amount of people we have? Mm-hmm. And then you need the the engine room that of the resources that's growing the thing to be able to pay for the processes and to pay for the right people to support it. Now, once you get those three, now you've got to monitor them growing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because usually what happens is some people overstaff and then is too, have too many people to pull it off, or you have over then you have too many processes and people can't get things done, or you don't have enough resources because you're not monitoring that one, and now you have to lay off people because you can't pull it off. Luke, what you got on that one?
1: Well, yeah, kind of a question. So for you, in, in this different seasons of ministry and, and uh, church that you've led, where have you noticed when it comes to the processes, when it's time to um, tweak versus overhaul? Because at some point it, reach, it reaches its critical mass, and then at another point it reaches its full capacity. It's no longer going to work. Yep. So, where in that where in that uh, in that curve do you prepare to completely overhaul it or continue tweaking?
2: Yeah. So my problem is I seldom think about processes. <laughs> I don't like them. I think they slowed on all great leaders. So I don't like processes. Which is why I need people around me that love processes to put them in place or else I'm because I'm not washing the the process leg of the stool. Then what happens is we have so many people, everybody doing their own thing and Mm. nobody managing the processes to make sure that there's accountability behind it, that people are actually getting their work done and that people are doing it and headed toward their own personal goals that they want to achieve. So you've got to marry the two. I love two of these processes. I despise one, which is why you need people (laughs) who will help you balance the the stool. So I'm always going to be looking for the right person. And I'm always going to be looking for, is this person, can they get the job done? I'm always going to be having my eyes on, do we have the economic economic engine that can pull this off? If we don't, what do we need to do to leverage that? Both of those are in my wheelhouse. I love them. It's effortless for me on both of those two. The one I'm always going to need somebody to help me out with, Luke, is this process one and are they. But the problem with getting the right process one is if they believe that they are the solution to everything,
0: mm-hmm. then
2: then. Then their arrogance is is going to cause the entire thing to break down because they're going to think that the process mm-hmm. is the most important, yeah. <clears throat> and not the importance of all three tools being significantly important at the same time. Yeah, Matt, what do you got?
0: Um, that's really. I, I want to ask the the you listening. Which one are you weakest at? You've got to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Where do you need help? Mm-hmm. You might be weakest at economic engine. In other words, you've got great people, great processes but no resources. I would call that frustration. It's yep. like you're running on a treadmill. You might have great people and great resources, but no processes. I would call that chaos. You might have mis- not yep. great people, but you've got processes and money. I would call that government. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would call that bureaucracy. That's a good um, one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And a good <laughs> correction. <laughs> bureaucracy is what you Red have. Red tape. Then you have great processes. Is that going to get this podcast shut down? Uh, probably. Um, i sorry. It's, uh, it's all I right. Just, I just couldn't resist. It's never um, stopped us before. But so you, go right ahead. You've <laughs> got to evaluate where are you because you're going to have one of these frustrations or hurdles is going to hit you with where you're missing. So identify where you're at and then figure out how you can pull that out. Of God's probably got some people around you that you don't even know are good at that one specific gift or area. Yeah, so you've got to process which one of those do you need help in.
2: Final thoughts, Luke, um, before we go to number four?
0: Yeah, everybody uh, has a
1: personality, and your personality is going to tend towards one, just like Pastor Conway was saying. And so whichever one you tend towards, I've learned this the hard way, as you were saying, to my own peril, um, be- narrowly avoiding some catastrophes sometimes, by not listening to the right people mm-hmm. and not calling them to the table before you start making a decision. And it affects them, and so they should have some voice at the table, even, it, even if it doesn't all... Uh, Uh, a hundred percent of what they say um... just change everything at least you're listening and at some to some degree it will affect positively the outcome you have to listen to the people at the table
2: and i think number three really works hand in hand with this because (laughs) it's called you know just an unhealthy mindset people have unhealthy mindsets and the unhealthy mindset says my way is right your way is wrong the unhealthy mindset says i am inflexible it's only my way the unhealthy mindset says Uh, If you don't do it my way, then you're not godly or you're a sinner. The unhealthy mindset says, I only think my way of looking at it is the right way. And oftentimes, that's the environment people come out of and come into church organizations or business organizations. And then it stalls the whole thing because now you have a clash of personalities and a clash of mindsets that ultimately hurts the entire organization or the entire ministry as we go forth. Andy, what do you got?
0: I've just – I've very seldom seen a pastor of a growing church or a CEO of a growing company that has a pessimistic mindset. Hmm. I just about never see somebody who's leading something that's growing who's looking at it as the glass half full. For some reason, they tend to be people who look at the positive side of things. They look for growth. The growth mindset we have here versus a fixed mindset, they're not stuck in always doing things the same way. And I just wanted to ask you guys up here, what – what is it about having a positive mindset that's that, um, not just self-help, but it's literally following God and Jesus as the source of what, where you're going? I just want to see, what. why is a positive mindset so important, and how do you do that?
2: You want to go first, Luke?
0: Yeah,
1: a hopeful frame of mind sees solutions. Yeah. A pessimistic, uh, defeated mind only sees problems, and it's actually leaders solve problems, and so. There's a there's another tension to manage because if all you do is solve problems, then all you s- do is see problems. Mm-hmm. But optimism is critical because you have to you
0: have to know there's a there's a quote oh, we Luke, have. He just said if all you do is solve problems, then all you do is see problems. <laughs> it's true. But it's true. Just it's true. Right you just messed me up If all you do
1: week in week out is solve problems, then your eye automatically <laughs> sees only problems. One hundred percent. It can tend to it, you, you can reach a, a toxicity point. Yep. And it's not always healthy. So um, wow. the optimism helps make sure you're tipping the scales yeah. towards a solution-oriented mm-hmm. mindset. Yeah,
2: I um, I love to see it in, in, in my kids. I, uh, they're two different personalities. One, just see something they need to attack and attack it. The other is kind of just enjoying the journey along <laughs> the way. And you can see it in that. It's the same thing when you get to organizations. You can see in sports teams, it's the exact same thing. You have some people that just have a will to get it done. And then there's some teams that just don't. Uh, A lot of you don't follow – don't follow the Premier League in soccer, but if you do, for those people who few people who do, uh, the, the, there's a team. The two called, of them, the two of them who do. There's a team called <laughs> Manchester United and Manchester City. Manchester United had a whole lot of stars on it right now, but they just don't have the will to win in this season.
1: Was and that they, like your will to win in the pool basketball that, that, that was game it, the other that, day? Yes, yeah. that was
2: it. But Manchester City, who has now become the one for the last five Premier Leagues, they, they, they were down. They were down two zero the other day in six minutes, scored three goals and won the whole premiership. Wow. But what but what's driving that is this is this will to win. They don't care. At all costs, we have to win. And I think I think leaders have that kind of mindset too. Either you're looking at everything as that man, I just don't know. Or you're self-absorbed and self-consumed and just all about I'm just not feeling me. Or it's it's hey, if this is where God has me for now, I'm gonna run and I'm gonna get it done and I'm gonna see the yeah. positive side of it and I'm gonna execute for the glory of God. But I'm just telling you, it's a mindset. And leaders have this mindset that says, I'm going to be flexible, and I'm going to be uh, adaptable, and I'm going to have a growth mindset that says, we're going to knock this out of the park. And here's the beautiful thing. When you look at them over the last 10 years of their lives, they've always had a growth mindset Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they never come up with excuses. They find a way, once they're clear on their objective, they find a way to get it done for the glory of God. What do you yeah. got So I'm, I'm just saying here. here so, we go. so here for we the we person
0: go. listening right now that's saying, I find problems. I I don't see the positive side of things. I haven't had that track record over ten years or throughout my life. I've been on the other side. Mm-hmm. I've always looked for all the other things. How do they make a shift?
2: In okay. other words, if you said I'm having a fixed mindset, mm-hmm. how do they make a shift? Okay. Uh, number one, I think they need to find somebody with a growth mindset mm-hmm. and ask them to oh meet yeah. with them as often as they can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, uh, I, I need them to find the value of a fixed mindset, because there's some values to that, and then mm-hmm. be able to play in both worlds, not just one world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the same is true yeah. for the person that's always adapting. There's some seasons that you need to enjoy the season of where you are, and not always be in a growth season. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's both that. I think, I think The most most of your people need to be in a what we are calling a growth mindset, but I think there are seasons when you need to till the soil and not Mm -hmm. be into a fast growth. Let's go up into the right kind of season. Luke, close us out. What do you got?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I w- the only thing I would add to that is that your mind is listening to your mouth. And there's a reason that God told the children of Israel not to grumble. And there's a reason that because they continued grumbling, they didn't cross over the Jordan. And there's also a reason that he shut Zachariah's mouth so that he wouldn't talk, uh, yeah. talk the whole plan out of existence as it, w- was, as it came to um, the birth of John the Baptist. Your mind is listening to you. And so I was reading this leadership axiom the other day, and the one that stood off the page was the four of the most powerful words for me in, in, a, in this season where we're trying to solve a lot of problems, and they were, it can be done. Mm. And I've probably said that to, to myself a hundred times in the last five days. And the reason it's so important is because your mind is is listening to you. And if we're grumbling, it's just going to bring me down. Yeah. And I can't afford to have that. So. It's
2: called self-talk. And yeah. if you, you can convince yourself of anything that you're saying oh, or thinking. Mm-hmm. So if your self-talk is always negative or it's always self-defeating, uh, and by the way, all of that comes from your family of or, origin mm-hmm. and whatever happened or didn't happen there. Well. And so if that's the case, then you'll always believe what your mouth is telling your mind. Mm-hmm. And yep. it will be in a cycle and you'll stay there for a long time. And uh, here's the most important part. You'll start to blame everything around you, everything around you. Oh and not look inside and look in the mirror. And as we say, just look at your own hula hoop. <laughs> and it's, it's not the things outside of you. It's you that's causing your mindset and your outlook at the problem. So the ultimate idea is we have to switch our unhealthy mindset to a growth mindset and not stay in a fixed one.
0: All right, so just in summary, what we have here, number one, as we talk through the hindrances and hurdles to growth, the first one was unnecessary complexity because complexity will kill growth. Number two was unscalable processes, and we talked about three different legs to that hinge. And then number three was unhealthy mindsets, number four. So the fourth way that we uh, stop growth is underdeveloped leaders.
2: Ma, ma, ma. We didn't talk about this one all day. We yes. should have just talked about this one. Underdeveloped leaders, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, hold organizations back. That's just the truth. <sighs> if if you've got a leader that's that really is just kind of coasting along, they'll always hold the organization back. And the problem in churches is that most of them, because leaders above them don't like to have tough conversations, they get they get stuck in that role, and they're not growing. And therefore, the organization or that ministry never grows, which is why you almost have to challenge your, your team that you ought to be the best in the industry in your area. And you should be turning people down monthly from a role that they're inviting you to. Mm-hmm. And if, if, you, if other people don't want your people, that means they're not the best, mm-hmm. which is why nobody's calling them. That's why it's important to make sure you have a growth a pathway for your people to get better. That's why the reason they should be following you is because you're adding value to them and you're growing them. And they're growing and learning things that they never knew before because you are teaching them as the ministry leader, as the small group leader, as the as the um, department head leader, mm-hmm. as the pastoral leader of a campus, whatever it is. You're adding value, so they're following you not because you're giving them a title, not because you're paying them money, but because they see how they're growing because they're closely attached to you. Luca, what in the world do you have on this one?
1: Oh, my. So uh, it's it has to do with the with who has the influence in that moment because organizations will always have chatter, and if the leader – who is direct? Who's who's responsible for the direction of the organization, isn't persuading at least fifty-one percent of the action of of his or her staff, then the chatter of the organization will win the equation and it will drift downwards. That's good. And so you have to win the chatter game. You're not going to stop the chatter. Yeah. Uh, you just have to make sure that um, that the development is happening mm-hmm. and. Um, And how do I say this? You have to make sure that the leaders in the organization are aware that they have to decipher
0: daily the difference between the chatter and the culture.
2: That's excellent, Matt.
0: And leadership has to be a part of the culture. It cannot just be a program. It can't be, hey, I want you to go watch these five videos or a class. Those are all good things, but leadership should be a journey and a part of the culture of what we do here. One of the points that uh, we have on here to talk about is so good when you're looking at people – it's do you see people as tools to get things done or do you see things as tools to develop people?
1: That's good. That's,
0: that's, good. that's a big way to look. Some, some of us look at people as I, I need people mm. so that I can get things done. But really, mm. there's tasks, there's goals, there's things we're doing, and those things can develop people. Yeah. Not hold them back, not give them busy work, but by what we give people, we can actually be developing them through those things.
2: And that's your goal mm. as a leader. It is, it is how do I add value to them? So that they're a better leader uh, than when they first came here. How do you how do you how do you make sure that they're growing, they're developing, their character is developing, their skill set is developing? They they see themselves as closer to their dreams than mm-hmm. when they were when they first started. That's our job as leaders. Yes, yes. It's it's to the Bible tells us to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So how are you equipping your people so that they can equip their people? And and most of the time the problem is we pick the wrong person in the first place. Right. So now you can't even develop them because now they're managers where there should have been a leader or they're a leader when there should have been a manager. And because we hire or we bring volunteers on in a crisis, now it's even hard enough to remove them out of that role and get somebody else in that role, which is why a pipeline of leadership yep. should always be what you're developing. You should always have the next person up in your organization because you're never settled because any organization that's growing will never have enough leaders. That's why you have to keep cultivating them and developing them along the way. Luca?
1: Yeah, a uh, couple points that are I think are super critical. First of all, another thing that Pastor Conway does really well, and I think he does it by nature, but you can you can also learn it by nurture. In other words, you, you can learn the behavior, is identifying the type of person you're dealing with by giving them tasks. Mm-hmm. So even the type of development that's needed, um, just pitching them tasks, and, and some of them are really quite important and others of them may or may not see the light of day but how well do they execute and with what style a lot of times will identify the type of individual that they are and I know that I don't do that by nature I don't naturally do that but I've learned it and so uh, if that's not something that you do just naturally by bringing people in and try and and just and just trying them on in different roles and tasks you can certainly try and and just do it by repetition um, and then uh, and, and then the other thing about that with the pipeline is that um, you're, you're surrounding, you're, you're always filling the room. Actually, you do this all the time. You fill the room with alternates. And so the people who are in the game, there's, there's a healthy tension internally to know I can be replaced, And so you don't settle. You don't settle. You're always stirring yourself up because you're going to run harder because I want to give my best because I always see people um, around here that could do probably as good or better job than I am.
2: And most people, when they don't have somebody waiting in the Mm -hmm. wings, if their character is not right Mm -hmm. and they know they can hold you hostage, they will, and they'll do it for money. They'll do it for every other reason that they shouldn't be doing it for, but they'll do it. Therefore, you've got to make sure that you always have more people than you need, hire more people than you need, have more volunteers than you need, so that there's always a healthy competition Mm -hmm. about exceeding our ability as we go. But another thing I want to remind you of is it's not about perfection. You're not looking for the perfect person. You're just looking for growth. You just want somebody to have a desire to be better than they were last month. And if you have somebody that's willing to learn on their own, mm-hmm. come to the table with more than you talked about last time, mm. then you have somebody that's heading in the right okay. direction. Pastor Matt, what do you got?
0: That's good. Um, growth is big. And another another uh, great speaker says that you can have control or you can have growth. Can't have both. But you cannot, cannot have both. Have both. Right. And I think when we look at our leaders, we can control or we can grow. And I, I just, what we've talked about is so big. We want to develop them so much. You want to develop them so much that – that um, that you're almost scared because they get so good and everybody wants them but yet you're faithful and trusting that they'll never want to go because of how much you've developed them.
2: That's good. That's good. Hey, y'all, we're going to do something that we've never done before. We're going to ask somebody in our audience. We have a little bit of our staff here today, and uh, we're going to ask them to ask a question, and then we're going to answer whatever question they ask. Uh, This is not edited, so hopefully they ask a really cool question, or else this podcast will um, be unique. So (laughs) in a moment, we're going to get a question from them, but Luke, final thoughts, and then Matt, final thoughts, and then we'll get a question, and then we'll be done for today. What do you got?
1: Yeah, I'll just tag to to that perfection um, comment that you made which is uh, you, if you study some of the great organizations that we admire right now one of, the, one of the fundamental principles that they followed was that it was not – once it was 80% there, they went to market. That's it. And they, if they had sought 100%, first of all, that is an elusive, uh, vaporous target. You'll never hit it. But second, you're going to be so late that somebody else already met the need with the 80% solution. And so um, you don't want to hit the market with something that's not quality, but perfection is unreachable and, um, and not even practical. That's good.
0: Andy? I, 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 um, I'm i ready to hear what this question is.
1: You are. I, I, so think, let
2: me, I think they've got one. But I got it. So let me summarize again. So you have unnecessary complexity. You have unscalable processes. You've got unhealthy mindset. And the last one we just talked about was underdeveloped leaders. As leaders, it's our job to make sure that we're optimizing the gifts and ability of every person on our team and that they're becoming better leaders because they're in our environments. So let's see how we can do that the best we know how. And whatever the hindrances are uh, to growth, uh, we need to identify them and then work on removing them So that we can get to the freedom and the pathway that will lead to winning more people to Christ, growing more people up in Christ, developing more leaders for the glory of God. Or if it's on your job, increasing revenue, increasing sales, because you're dealing with these hindrances that hold us back from growth. Now, Pastor Matt, why don't you facilitate this question? Let's Let's see what we got. What do we got?
0: No pressure here. Question from the team. What is the question you have about what we've talked about today? Good. That toxic that might so let me restate the question so you've got a leader who's been toxic you also now know who the new leader is going to be and they're both swirling around together how do you make that shift from the toxic one holding you back to the new one who you want to put in place
2: is if, if that's the question you're not going to like my answer oh you they usually don't here's the answer <laughs> Your, perce- your perception of that leader's toxicity uh, uh, might be skewed number one so therefore i think you should i think you should have a conversation with that toxic leader and share your thoughts in an honoring way to see how best you can serve them with the wow. gifts and abilities you have the worst thing you can do is to run away from what you perceive to be something toxic that's number 1 number 2 then is the the that that toxic leader might be exactly what god needs you to be in the middle mm-hmm. of developing and moving that that ministry that small group that organization forward and toxic, toxicity is not and not, might always not be a bad thing that might mean that there is growth potential for you that you need to develop yourself so we don't run away from toxicity. We actually run toward it to see how we can provide clarity on, on and growth on both ends, which means you might need to bring another leader not to in, in the conversation to help them grow as well as you helping them yourself grow in the process. And then number three, notice none of these are running away. All of these are... Lord, thank you for the ability and the opportunity to see how I can learn from my leader that's toxic and how I can get better because of that leader being in place so that I can help the organization move forward and not just run away. Let me give you the principle. The principle is when you want to leave is never, sorry, never is a strong word. When you want to leave is seldom the right time to leave. When you hate leaving, it's oftentimes the right time to lead because most of us run from problems, not run toward them. You didn't expect all of that, I'm sure. But Luke, please give the managerial approach (laughs) to the process. That was the leader approach to it.
1: Yeah, so I think you also have to determine the type of toxicity you're dealing with. If you're dealing with somebody that's strifeful, Proverbs says, remove this, the one who's causing the strife and you'll solve the problem. If you're dealing with a grumbling or a complainer, um, then you, that, that person has to be isolated in some way or that's going to spread like cancer and it's not good but the other type you can be you can go sepsis on lactic acid but lactic acid is what is in your muscles to cause them to be rebuilt and strengthened so there's a degree of <laughs> Luke, no idea. Luke and goes to these illustrations.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. But it just takes a little time. Yeah, sorry it to get about you. that. Anyway, so go ahead, too up.
1: much of a good thing, but you can't just say, I'm uncomfortable, so they're toxic, get them out. That's it. Discomfort may be the growth process That's good. of identifying where you're weak and need to be strengthened. So it goes back to your explanation there of leaning in and learning and saying, hey, maybe I need a few more reps um, in order to strengthen my leadership. <laughs> That's
2: brilliant. No, I, I think you're right on both counts. I think, I think there, there there can be seasons where it might be the right time to seek another opportunity, but those seasons should never come from your own evaluation. They should always come from somebody who is challenging you to pursue the pain for the betterment of the whole organization. And having done that multiple times, now see the opportunity for the challenge with somebody else to help that person and you grow. Mm-hmm. And after multiple occasions of that, then there might be opportunities because of clashes like the, like the um, Barnabas and Paul's situation with John Mark where, okay, now my, this might be a season in a loving environment for you to go somewhere else. And you know it's loving because later on I still want you on my team yep. even after you fumbled the ball. Yep. Does that make sense, that's everybody? Good. So that's what I'm thinking. Matt, that's I hope good. that was helpful. It might be a yeah. long way to get to an answer, but yeah. hopefully that was helpful. I have a
0: feeling that person's not going to ask any more questions on our team. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the other principle I've heard another – Another person said it like this that you gotta, it, it's not always out there. A lot of times it's in here. Mm. And it's looking to ourselves because what if, I mean, this is, we're not gonna go down this rabbit trail, but what if, what if you're the one or I'm the one creating oh, an yeah. environment that develops a toxic person? Mm-hmm. That's, good. That's a whole nother That's good. talk for a whole nother but, but, day. But
2: the danger of, of, of it all is, you just gotta remember that the number one plan of the devil is to cause, to cause division. That's his number one goal. Yeah. Is the number yeah. one enemy of the church is division. So if every time you feel somebody's talked to you leave, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. What does unifying people do? They work together, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if I don't get my way, even if I don't get my way right now. You 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 do the hard work of working it out. Just like in a, in a covenant of marriage, you don't just get to bail. In a covenant of church, you don't just get to bail. Right. You get to do the work. So when somebody says, well, if they're not using you in ministry, what that really means is I'm not getting my own way. That's not a reason to walk away, to run from that ministry to go somewhere else. That's a reason to say let's do the hard work. When somebody says, well, the person (coughs) lacks integrity, well, then you might be the person to walk with the person to rectify their integrity. You don't just run from it. It's called body life. It's not your life. It's body life. But I get really passionate when I talk about this because some people enjoy just bailing because they've never led anything before. But I'm going to calm down. Down and let Pastor well, and the same speak. people that
1: bail wonder why they don't have deep roots and they're not growing in mature. Oh, you're
2: preaching now, Luca. You're preaching now. Yes. you're preaching now. So
0: thank you for joining us today. <laughs> but for real, thank you. Um, hopefully this has been beneficial to talk about the four hurdles and hindrances to growth. These apply all over the board. And we want to encourage you, first of all, go to our webpage, visit onecc.com slash leadership roundtable. You can see all of the details and notes and outline for what we've talked about and if you would, it'd be really cool if this has helped you to share with your team or to share on whatever platform that you're listening on. Leave us a review, too. We want to thank you again for joining us. It's been great hanging out with you with the bonus question and answer come session on. today. I kind of right. like that. We might yeah, need to make might.
2: that a, By the way, if you like that part of it, then you just need to say so we Let might continue yeah. it and have some of our staff come in and join us sometimes.
0: All That's right? awesome. So, Pastor Luke, Pastor Conway, thank you for joining, and thank you for listening. We cannot wait to see you next time. God bless. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been an honor to have you here with us. Now, just want to remind you that all of the resources we talked about today are available online at visit1cc.com leadershiproundtable leadership roundtable. Now, if this has been helpful, leave us a review, go out there and hit subscribe, and more importantly, share this with your team so that everybody can grow. We can't wait to see you next time.